All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growl. And that's right. That's right. It's me, Paul Tanner Jr. of The Athletic. I am back. Many of you wondered if I would ever be back. What was going to happen? Here I am. The podcast is not dead. We will not go quietly into the night. Yeah, that's right. I went Independence Day. I'm not afraid. That's how I feel right now. Because it's been a long time. It's been over a month. Over it's, A lot is, actually, not as much has happened as you probably wanted to happen. But a lot has happened. But I'm here to tell you right now. Everyone can stop the barrage of tweets and questions and everything to me. Because hear that podcast growling and the Cincinnati Bengals 2023 season has returned. I'm not dead yet. I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> so I, we're Independence Day and Holy Grail. We are deep. We are, we are deep cutting already right off the bat. The bottom line is, yeah, we knew when, when Jay was no longer here that we had... Things needed to change. They would recalibrate, refigure everything out. So we did. Spent some time, some vacation. The beach was very helpful for me to recenter ideas. And I came back pretty angry, honestly. Like pretty, like much angrier than you'd want to come back from a vacation. Like a little, a little like, okay, let's freaking go. I got ideas. I'm, I'm almost inspired. I feel you know I kind of feel like. A little bit like Joe Burrow after he had his ACL, right? Like, okay, we lost something there. Lost half of that season. Had a lot of good stuff planned for the dead time I was excited about. But he said, can't get rid of me that easy was his tweet. I'm just like Joe Burrow. Minus the, like, really, like, the talent. Uh, all the money that he's about to have. The thirst trap good looks. Like, uh, the hair. Definitely without the hair. But... Other than that, I feel like Burrow coming off the ACL. This is the, I'm back, I am motivated, and I'm ready to crush this. I'm feeling, this, so this will be my sixth, I, I like to say that I had the first ever Bengals podcast, of which there are now like 192 of them, um, back in the day. Uh, myself and Joe Reedy, we called it Scribe Session. The old, old schoolers know what I'm talking about. Real old school. This will be the sixth different version that we've had to kind of like birth in a new way. They've all been great in different ways. Different things that I liked about all of them. And I loved what Hear That Podcast Growling was with Jay. It can't be the same because Jay brought so much to the show. Uh, and so I kind of, we were, I was in the tank and it was like, all right, we can do some, we can do some new different creative stuff. We can reshape this thing, but have it still have a lot of the same feel that everybody loved before. I, this is very doable. So here I am saying this is doable, more than doable, actually. I, I think it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait. And I also can't wait to bring in my new co-host. Now, co-host in that, like not every single episode will, will be a co-hosted. 
There'll be there'll be friends of the program that will come in for some. We'll have different interview segments. Mo is going nowhere. He's going to continue to be part of the show. All those things. But the walkout, a daily show, a common voice for me to do jokes with and and have deep Bengals talk is somebody that you may not know, uh, but I do really well. Dave Ninimitz has been in my life for far too long. Eight, I, I would say eight eight years. I mean, you were my boss at the Inquirer, uh, my editor at the Inquirer, and then part of bringing me over to the Athletic and been my editor at the Athletic here now since I came here in 2019. And we talk again far too often. Uh, we talk regularly forever. And so when the idea of having someone to do this with, I thought of. If we just take the phone conversations that we have on a regular basis and let people hear these, I think this is great. And I think it can really have something good. So Dave, welcome to Hear That Podcast Growling. Thank you for having me. I, I did make one guest appearance mm. a couple seasons ago. And if I recall, and I'm sure the listeners will because it was so riveting, we talked about whether Ryan Finley should be starting over Andy Dalton. Oh, the that's, good old that's, days. Yeah, well, the, so things are different as yeah. I return to talk to you on this. And I'd like to think if you're the if you're the Joe Burrow here, I think I'm the Irv Smith Jr. You don't know what you're going to get. Maybe I'll be good. Yeah. Maybe I won't be good. Maybe there have been some injuries in the past. We don't know. So don't know. I'm going to come in, and I'm not saying that Jay was our Hayden Hurst, but uh, I, I'm your Irv Smith Jr. Welcome, Irv. Thank you. It's good. Thank you know, you. that's... It's good to set the bar high. Yeah. You know, in a best case scenario, you could be a fourth option. Exactly. And right. that's, that's, that's what right. I feel like. I'm, right. I'm the fourth option. Right here. No. Uh, I, I am excited about this. I can't tell you how much. Uh, let's let's give a quick background uh, on day so people can can know. You are, again, you were with the choir. You are Estonian. I am Estonian. My father you, was born in Estonia. Yes. Yes. So you were really the Cincinnati's foremost aficionado on the Margus Hunt era. Yeah, yeah. You know, with your Estonian background. I always wanted him to succeed for you. Yeah. Uh, he he gave us an identity here in town, a sports identity that we yeah. didn't have before. Yeah. So it was exciting. The Margus era was exciting. Oh, for it had a, a lot of what was the fate What was the best moment of the Margus Hunt? It's hard Just to probably any, the drafting. Any blocked kick. Yeah, <laughs> he 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 was the Eastern block. He was, and, and we loved him. Yeah, yeah, it didn't quite materialize uh, no. more than that. Uh, I, look, you you know you you te- you technically you have now you've been in Cincinnati. When did you actually? How long have you been in Cincinnati, Dave? Oh, I've lived my whole life here. Whole life, right? Yeah. So you you're you're Cincinnati through and through, but you have the weirdest assortment of teams that you sort of follow as a fan. Yeah, you know, like it Padres, doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Seahawks, Avalanche, Avalanche, Sixers, uh, Sixers. It's and, a very weird. It's and then Manchester City, which I know a lot of people now probably just clicked off of the podcast after mm-hmm. hearing that. Is Manchester City for Premier League fans just disgust people? But you know, it it keeps You'll with one, the weird one front runner and and four. Not so front. <laughs> yeah, I've I've endured a lot of bad years, so uh, I'm I'm loyal. I'm loyal. Yeah. Um, so it, that 
that's sort of you know you I would also like to point out that you hate aioli and small parking lots. <laughs> I do. I love dogs. And so I feel oh. like that's you know what that's a good like that's that's a good good uh, well rounded background. For you. I think as a disclaimer we have to say too I, I'm not a big Arby's guy. Uh, well, that might yeah, not go true. over well. And I I just don't go to a lot of concerts, and when I do, I just get the seats I bought, sit there. There's no, I don't do radio call-in. So, again, it might be a little bit of a letdown to some longtime listeners, but I'm just putting it all out there. We, You know what? We, we It can't be the same. It, there, no. you, you can't it, replicate certain unique personality traits like sneaking to the front of an Anthrax concert at the Sunoco <laughs> in Hamilton. You can't. Correct. Exactly. And, uh, and and that's why we all love Jay. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for Jay, by the way, who is with Pro Football Network now uh, and still sitting right next to me in the Bengals media room doing <laughs> all the same gags. Uh, we're excited about that. He's excited about that. Uh, it's been great to see um, how incredible everything has gone for him. He's, he's crushing it already, and no it's doubt. great to see. I think we were thrilled. He can we... stop crushing it so much now that we're against <laughs> competitors. Well, uh, you know, but uh, it's 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 awesome. It's it's awesome to see. Um, a quick, you know, I, I just want to kind of go quickly down a little bit of what to expect in the podcast. Right now, we're in camp season, and you know, HTPG has kind of been an easy thing to predict in camp. You know, couple episodes a week, the the routine of days um, are off because of off days. We try to sneak them in in the off days of the camp schedule. So we'll be showing up sporadically um, about a couple times a week in camp. And then when we get into season, it's going to be what you expect. Dave's going to be my walkout guy. We're going to keep him up. All these stupid night games. We're going to be doing lots of like 1 a.m. recording while you wait for me to file my story and have to do the podcast. Uh, you can you can just yell at me on air now about the fact that my story hasn't been. Yeah, that's yet. the pl- I will multitask and just start harassing you for the story mid pod. Yeah, so. I, I, I mean I think that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so walkout going nowhere. Uh, you know, news segments, again, I said most still going to be a part of this. Uh, run passer boot, all the stuff from inside the locker room, front office, coaches, story time. We can't call it Arby's without Jay. But don't worry. The stories are not stopping. Uh, opposing beat writers, predictions, all that stuff that you like is still going to be a part of it. We're going to add in more outside people. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um Again, friends of the program. I like friends of the program, which is a blue chips reference. I continue to <laughs> reference That's, very yeah. old school movies that like probably most of this audience. We we need seen. like a little ding to go off each time yeah. you have some eighties or nineties movie that comes up. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, I, which reminds me, uh, this is a random John Sadak last night on the Reds game dropped out everything he hits. He destroys. And I was like, wow, a full-on Drago reference on Ellie De La Cruz. So shout out. Sadak might be my reference guy. Like he, We might have watched only the same movie. You know, I, I, I don't even know what I was watching. I was watching highlights last night, and I heard a highlight guy say that ball had a family. And I felt yep. like, I feel like Sadak mm. deserves credit for that whenever He dropped it, it again up. last night. He did. Uh, it's, it's a great line. It is. 
All right, so that is the background. That's sort of like the big news of the day. We had to get that out of the way. I wanted to make sure everybody was comfortable and had an understanding of what the hell is going on with the podcast. I appreciate everyone's concern, except those of you that were like uh, trying to basically say writing the eulogy for it already, okay? <laughs> I'm back. Undertaker.gif, right? Uh, I'm back. Uh, but you didn't come here just to hear us talk about this podcast. You came here for... A little therapy. This this is always part therapy here. And a lot of you people are very nervous about the Joe Burrow contract situation. It's getting a little testy. So let's dive in. We're going to get in, go through news. The big news of Mock Turtle Soup from yesterday, which I have some Mock Turtle Soup news uh, to get to. That's a little concerning. Um, but the big news from Mock Turtle Soup, uh, everybody talking about Joe Burrow and the contract and, you know, the the word kaleidoscopic was used. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, you know, because and and I appreciate it. You know, challenging all of us in our vocabulary. Um, and so, I want I want to get into all of that. We're all. I'm also going to give you a little bit of a camp preview here. We're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, they talked about starters maybe playing in the preseason. We got four players on PUP with different outlooks. Uh, we want to talk about the the running back situation, third down battle, Mixon's restructure. I have some reporting to talk about on that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about right tackle uh, and a few of the other position battles, some stuff on defense. I want to get through all of that, but we really have to start with Burrow. Uh, story of the day, story of the offseason, ex- you know, the, the, the summer of extensions ha- has come and gone a little bit, and now it's like, okay, clock beginning to tick. Um, let me start here, Dave. I want to just, like, I think this is something that I tried to start with in my story that's up. You can go read more about everything that Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, everybody else had to say yesterday on this topic. But I, I think it's important. Calm down. Okay? <laughs> just, there is, it may, everybody wants to see that dotted line. Everybody wants to see a smiling Joe Burrow doing the little, like in front of the wall with the with the Paul Brown signature and doing the sign. Everybody wants to see that. The Bengals want to see that. Joe Burrow wants to see that. Everybody's under the assumption they're going to see that. But it's just not done yet. There's a lot of stuff going on, and they're trying to work. If, if you thought, the only thing that we know is that this isn't going to be what some people wanted it to be, which is Burrow walks in and you're like, Look, I just want to do whatever I can do to help the team. <laughs> and if I could just pay me just four pennies and, you know, and, and, and full use of the equipment room and we'll call it a day. <laughs> no, like that, he's here trying to make his money. Like he's, he's here trying to get and, and have it in a way that he wants it. And I thought, you know, some things that Mike Brown said yesterday is like, these are competent people, which I think is a, I think was uh, a compliment. Uh, mm. Seemed like a compliment. Yeah. I mean, if you call someone competent, I'll take that. Yeah. It's not would, bad. It's, it's not, not bad, bad from Mike. No. Uh, and so <laughs> I think, so I think you, you just have to remember that they're, they're in it. They're trying to work it out. There's a bunch of stuff. You know, the Herbert deal is still sitting out there. How, how much, Paul, do you think that, that has to do with this? I, I'm starting to see it more and more. I think Pro Football Talk had something today saying that that's the case. How much do you think that's driving holding it up? Or is this an agent thing? Or is this, do you think it's more just the, the bottom line of what Burrow would get? Well, I, I definitely think that we're talking about 
some outside forces here. We're talking about an agent. We're talking about... Look, Burrow deserves more than Herbert. And so when when you're saying what what is the rush and they know what's going on like the 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 borough people and the herbert people know a little bit about what's going on with each other and so the idea that look herbert is going to get done and it'll be really easy to 100% know the lay of the land once that happens and sign this off burrow's here it, there's no problems. He's already out here throwing. He's fully here, invested, distractionless, and it's just a matter of that stuff will get. The, it's not hindering anything. So the idea that this is a deadline, I don't think is that they're they're on some kind of a current deadline is is not necessarily true. They're trying to get it done. The deadline is really just one of just wanting to get all these dominoes falling because that was the other really the second part that I thought of yesterday was they. Essentially, you know, they, Mike said he had a pact. He was not going to say anything, but you can't not say anything. And people are going to, and everybody's answering these questions. You know, I mean, the the quote that stuck out to me was they'll have to maybe go short in a couple cases. So a lot of talk of cutting up pies and who gets what piece of the pie. It, it's all it makes sense to all of us, but. I think that's where, as a Bengals fan, you get a little bit antsy when you hear go short in a couple cases because who is that we're going short on? And T obviously comes to mind right away. Is he the guy? Is he is he heading down a Jesse Bates path? And this is the early stages of it. Same agent and, you know, kind of feel a little odd man out. I know I know there've been lots of speculation of whether he's ready to sign right now or how long that's going to drag out. But um that that to me was the quote that Mike said that you know, he was kind of admitting somebody's going to get shortchanged here and I don't I don't know how much panic there should be over that. Totally agree and I think this has always been about T Higgins. I mean, yeah. I, in my opinion, I, the the other pieces of this are you know, it Burrow, you know, is going to get done. And the other pieces, you there's fine plan Bs. There's plenty of ways to get Logan Wilson done. There's They've already accounted in many ways for some of the third-year contract-type guys, whether we're talking about Cheeto, Tyler Boyd. I mean, they literally drafted these guys. Um, potential replacements. Um, you know, DJ Reader, we did, I wrote about that and discussed that and what you can do there. I mean – all of that is, to me, smaller slivers of said pie, which it made me very hungry, all the pie talk. <laughs> Big apple guy. Yeah. And pie Pie is delicious. There's no <sighs> doubt about that. I couldn't. What, what, if, what if it wasn't mock turtle soup? What if it was pie that uh-huh. they served at that? You, well, they serve get... sherbet. They serve mm. sherbet and a little, like, chocolate stick, uh, which, you know, I feel like <laughs> mock turtle soup grabs the headlines, but the sherbet steals the show every year. It's really the 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 low key secret to this event. It's 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 George Costanza bringing Pepsi and ring dings to the party, and yeah. people secretly <laughs> telling him that's that's what they wanted. You know, the best part was so there was new there was like I, I think new people running this event that's been exactly the same since the dawn of time, um, and it took. Like there was a long, it was, took way longer than normal. The service wasn't exemplary, and you could sense when Mike finally stood up to the mic. There was he, he, it was like, 
it's it's what everybody's grandpa does at the table when the service isn't great. Like, well, this has taken a little longer than we thought. And it was like, oh, you know, someone's got to say it. Yeah. Someone's got to say it, you know. And I appreciated that for all of us, you know. Uh, but anyway, I, I do think going back, one mention of pie and I tangent. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think that I didn't take that as anything necessarily different than we knew because we always knew this was going to be the hard part. We always knew that whether or not philosophically they're willing to go Burrow Higgins chase was the question of this time in Bengals off the field history, really. Like, are you going to keep going with that? And the league has shifted that way. I mean, the, it's, it's far more conceivable today than it was even three, four years ago when these guys were drafted to pay this kind of money to these three guys. I mean, you're trying to find ways to structure it and make it so they're not all hitting at the same time and you do what you want to do. But at the end of the day, the money's the money. At the end of the day, you're still talking about three guys that an average annual value would be crossing $100, $110 million a year on a cap that's going to be up in the like 250s, depending on what year we're talking about. That's a significant frigging number. And the and it's a it's one that has ripple effects all the way down the line to everybody else that we've talked about. And I think um, that's what they're saying. Not everybody can get what they want. There's no way that you can pay Higgins 25 and Burrow 55 and Chase 32 or whatever he's going to 30, whatever he's going to get next year, depending on what Justin Jefferson gets. And Logan Wilson 11 and DJ Reader and Cheeto get – another deal and and you just can't do that there you you can't do it all and that's what we knew would be the case and that's what you're talking about and so it's a matter of figuring out a way to make everybody happy not everybody every single time they talked about it is there's a lot of people that want it some will i mean and that was on that was the one consistent theme across everybody it was not we think we might be able to find a way to get everybody and there was no thought of that that is not going to be part of this equation it's going to continue to be a cycling of players and it has to be that's how the league works um it's just a matter to me this whole thing is about getting t done and if they decide to go that route and be look we're jamar t and joe burrow's team and as long as we have those three we think we'll win plenty of games and I don't think that's a bad philosophy if they go that route. I mean, when you consider what we're seeing with running backs and the devalue of them, and it's because it's a passing league, and how many how many teams have two receivers like this, especially at that age, with a quarterback like that? Like, that's the, the risk you run is if you get too deep into that, do you start sapping the defense? Do you get back to an offensive line that is so porous that Burrow's running for his life all the time? But to some degree, don't you have to just cross those bridges when you get there? You know, like you can't figure out what the team's going to look like in five years right now. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of of the thought that if you commit to keeping those three together, that's certainly not a bad way to go. It's certainly one that I think fans would love because those are glamour positions. But, um, you know, Higgins is a number one anywhere else. And you've, you've got two number ones, and that's pretty crazy. Keep – your blue chip players that you draft. I mean, if you want to boil it down and let, I mean, 
one thing that Duke Tobin said yesterday was well, he mentioned specifically you want to not obviously you want to keep your best players that you take, but it, one it's ones that have worked together as a unit showed success as a unit, and Chase Higgins and Burrow have shown almost indefensible um, in, in when you have that combination, and so you can build the rest around it. And and, they, and everything they've done this offseason has suggested that's the direction they want to go, the way they've built this defense. With all these young guys at premium positions that are in the pipeline um, to come in and, and create surplus roster space to offset where you're now going to have to pay on, on the offensive side of the ball. If you boil it down to the basics of who are your best players, pay them, keep them, and and move forward. It, you can you can absolutely make that discussion. The question is it, that you have to answer. I think is can Joe Burrow make any wide receiver two great when he's playing opposite Jamar Chase? Okay, it, can a first round pick at thirty overall look at who they've been the last few years or a second round pick? Look who they've been the last few years. That's who T. Higgins was. All these guys that have gotten big money are second-round picks, too. It's not like you have to be at the top of a draft to get a great number two at all. And not to mention any free agent would die to come play with Joe Burrow as number two across from Jamar Chase. I'm not saying they'd go that direction. but It's not like there's a disgusting plan B where you're worried about the future of the franchise, okay? Like... If if it happens that you can't agree with T, and this goes the Jesse Bates way, I mean, there's you can tag and trade next year. You add picks. You take a guy in the second round. You maybe put in a free agent. You see what Chucky Sizzle's bringing you after a year. Um, you know, maybe you're even keeping Boyd in the mix on a one year. Like there's it. It is not um, something that they couldn't recover from. As much as everyone loves T. Higgins, yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, and it's and that's a hard thing I think for people to swallow because you, because he is so good and so sort of beloved. Yeah, and I think when you look around the the league at teams that have had success, I mean, look at Kansas City. I think everybody thought once Tyreek Hill was gone, there's no way you recover from that, and they won a Super Bowl. Um, all those years with Brady, outside of Randy Moss and Gronk, he wasn't exactly lighten it up with the greatest receivers ever all due respect to julian edelman westover a lot of good players there but um it's i think that's where you you struggle with it some is you're right that there's some level of you could plug another guy in if your quarterback's that good and that's why you're paying him the biggest of all is is he's that good yes so 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 and we'll so i think that's just it is we'll see you know it was sort of the it was sort of the message from everybody yesterday. One, we're not here to get into the details of Burroughs' deal. We've all agreed upon that, and we're sticking with that. And two, we'll see. There's pies. We like eating pie, but we're not sure who's got big slices. Uh, but it, we'll see. By the time we reach the end of this camp preseason leading into Cleveland, um, we'll have learned um, – you know, a little bit of the answer to that. And it doesn't even end the T. Higgins conversation. It would make it much more complicated, as we said with Jesse Bates. Continue to think of this, people, through the Jesse Bates parallel. It's the same, okay? This is that first year. This would have been the easiest one to get Jesse Bates done on. Each one, next March, then next August, if you tagged him, each get harder as it gets later. 
because then plans get put in place uh, to move on. And the, and the leverage moves back from the Bengals, and, and that's that. So keep thinking about it. This is the best time to get T. Higgins done is, is, is right now if you're going to. If they don't, I think they start to really explore other options uh, next year. Um, so that's all sort of happening. That was the big part of yesterday's conversation. Hopefully you feel caught up with that right now. Um, let's get into some other stuff that's in the news to come of yesterday and as camp starts. So Wednesday is the first training camp practice. If you would like to come on down and pass out of heat stroke, feel free to come join us. It's going to be like 98 in like 100 heat index every day, and there is no shade. You're just, hey, here we are on metal bleachers in 100 degrees. But there's the Bengals. Look, I, I, I'm i a big training camp guy. I love, I love the aesthetic of camp down there next to downtown it's fun I, I like to take artsy pictures uh of it which usually it really my art is so poor anymore i've really fallen off like i just do the same thing i just go to the ground near a pylon and like take a shot it's i gotta get better i gotta admit <laughs> but i love that but when it is hot whew, it is a cooker out there and uh so the Bengals are going to be thrown into the mix immediately as far as that goes but there's a plenty of stuff to dive into, we got a little bit more insight on that yesterday. Let's kind of, I'm going to tick through these little by little, uh, Dave. One is, you know, preseason, three preseason games. Zach Taylor, Bengals have traditionally been no starters in the preseason types. But we haven't, you know, really had a normal preseason for Burrow. Um, he was coming off the ACL. Last year he had the appendectomy. Um, you had the we COVID season. didn't have it season. one year. Had yeah, COVID you had the, year. You had the yeah. COVID season that, that happened and that pushed everything back there wasn't even preseason so he's never actually really even practiced on this date like in full since he's really been here and so this is all kind of brand new stuff in a lot of ways but we've seen them not play the starters in preseason it sounds like that's going to change it's and we we heard burrow drop that hint last year especially after five uh turnovers in the opener against pittsburgh of you know would have been nice to have a little bit more of a feel and Zach Taylor said, you know, it's one of those things of Burrow getting out there, just being in the huddle with the guys, away from the coaches, in front of a crowd, and getting a feel for that for a series or two. Um, think what they did with the defense against Tampa Bay uh, in 2021, which is like the one game they really let the starters go out there and play. couple series, got a sack of Tom Brady, right? Just to kind of get that foundation set. That's all it's all about. Nothing fancy, handoffs, bubble screens, yada, yada. But, you know, that's what it's about, just getting out there. So I think we're going to see that this year. I think we are going to see the starters out there and uh, getting a little work in. Maybe uh, Joseph Asai can once again get everybody talking about him being the next Lawrence Taylor if yeah. he has some good preseason games. I mean uh, – no question. The, yeah. the the legend of Joseph Osai uh, began that day. <laughs> a preseason uh, Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> no one's had a better preseason game for the Bengals <laughs> in Tampa ever. Um, so look out for that. That'll be a little something to talk about. Uh, on PUP, we have Lel Collins, Devin Cochran. Mitch Wilcox is back and immediately on PUP. And Chita Bay Wouzier um, there. Uh, 
one thing Dutobin said yesterday was, you know, Collins and Cochran are looked as more as the longer term of those, and Wilcox and Cheeto more on the shorter run. Cheeto, we talked about back in the offseason program, looked incredible on the side. He's kind of said the same. He feels great. He's not going to rush himself back in, but full 100%, everybody on board, everybody we talk to anywhere. Cheeto's going to be great for the opener, and I expect him to come back during camp. Um and get plenty of work, and they want him to because he needs to mix in with these safeties who are learning things and learning each other. And so them being out there and getting those reps together are going to be big. Uh, Mitch Wilcox, by the way, is um, going to be just an addition to that room. Um, he's another tight end, and that's fine. Like he, I mean, he came in and was fine as the fourth tight end last year. I still think there's a possibility you get an ad in that room. Um, at some point, whether it's like Asiasi was last year after final cuts. Um, but he, Wilcox coming back always made sense. We always assumed it was going to happen. Obviously, this whatever this injury is that he has has been part of it, so we'll, we'll get more on that. But um, not an expectation that he'll be on PUP for a long time. And the other thing about PUP, um, that's, that's not an autumn. That is just these guys can be activated at any time during camp. It's just if you're going to potentially be on the – first four weeks PUP, um, you have to have gone on here during this point. So, But Collins will be the, the decision in that regard when it comes to the PUP guys, whenever that comes, which they're going to wait to the last possible second because that's a big swing decision. We're going to get Wilcox working on some long snapping when he is out there, do you oh, think? Man. I mean, Too soon? Too soon? It might be. It might be. <laughs> uh, I mean – they did have some backup long snapping practice happening during OTAs. I did notice that. I think they a little bit trying to be a little bit more prepared for that situation. Probably a good call. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the one. The one thing that was mentioned as a camp battle um, was the running back situation, specifically third down running back. They just haven't filled the Samaj P. Ryan role. We've talked about that, and it's where is that at? It won't be Joe Mixon. Um, you know. He it was clearly stated. Look, he's a first, second down guy. They, they can find spots to work him in on third down, but they don't want him to be that. They've not trusted him that way. They don't feel like that's his role or where they want him to be. But it sits pretty wide open. I, I don't think Chase Brown's going to be that. I mean, they're going to give him opportunities. But again, he's more in the mix and mold. I don't. I don't see Chase Brown showing up as your third down running back. I don't think that was ever really the plan necessarily for him. Um, Travion Williams and Chris Evans are there. You know, maybe it's somebody from off the path uh, in the undrafted free agent realm that, that would break through. But really, it's a competition, and guys are out there to prove themselves because it's wide open, and they're looking to figure out how the heck that thing is going to fall right now. They need somebody to fill it. From from what you've seen of the two incumbents there, and Williams and. Um, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. I'm sorry. Yeah. I almost said. I almost Captain said America. Chase. I almost said Chase Brown, and I'm like, no, he's the rookie. Um, what do you? What do you? I mean, I know with Chris Evans, he's he's had his supporters from among fans, and I think people get excited when they see some of the things he can do. But where where are you feeling with those two that they stand with coaches in the team? Do you feel like either of them showed in the past year that? they can be that guy or do you feel like one is is kind of has the advantage over the other well i think travion has the advantage because i think he earned that last year i, I think 
they were they were really excited by some of the development and, that they saw from Travion. Now, it, he just hasn't had a lot of opportunity to go prove himself as a third down back, as holding up in pass protection, getting out there in the route. But they liked some of what they saw in the in the in the small sample, and they're willing to give him a bigger sample and, and see what happens. Chris Evans, we know he has great hands. We, you know you you like him out in the route, but can you trust him in pass protection? He's smaller. Um, he fell a little bit out of favor last year, but that was more. I always felt like that was more um, about as a core running back, as a third down back. I mean, his hands are a weapon. And so I, 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 I would be curious to see how he does more in that role. Um, he's not going to be a between-the-tackles guy. They, they, they lost trust in him that way. But I, those are the two main guys. But if it goes poorly, look, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Like, there's, a, there's guys out there, okay? And they, they're going to play somewhere. And you're telling me one of these guys can't come in and be as good as Samaj P. Ryan in a third-down role – they certainly can. A guy like Elliott, you know, could come in who understands what's going on in the NFL, can block and catch. Uh, it, people might think he's washed, but he's not totally washed. And he certainly can come in and, and do some of the stuff that P. Ryan was doing. Yeah, I think with those guys, it's a matter of kind of getting over the ego of being a, a former bell cow and coming in and doing a role like that. But at this point, as we know with running backs, beggars can't be choosers. So you're right. The demand there is not what they need it to be. So maybe that could be the way the Bengals are looking at it too, is they're going to have options out there if they decide to go a different route. But maybe they also see something in Travion or um, Chris Evans that they think they can they can work that in. Yeah, and and it's a matter of both needs meeting each other. Right now, all of those people I mentioned think that they're going to make more money than they're actually going to make. Yeah. And the Bengals are just going to sit there and wait for one of those guys to come and make a lot less money. And and that's the part where they come to terms and say, look, if I'm going to go make very little money, how about I go do it playing with the Bengals and Joe Burrow and be high profile and and maybe win a ring? Yeah. At the same time, I think a lot of those guys are going to, ironically lean into the fact that running backs do get hurt and they can sit through camp and preseason. And if somebody blows a knee, they're going to get the phone call. So it's an interesting game of chicken being played there. But yeah, um, yeah that, that could be a steal for the Bengals if they end up going that route, if one of those guys is out there and they plug him in. And and really, because they were bell cows, then if something happens to Mixon, you got a guy that's used to carrying the load. So yeah. It seems like that's pretty fluid, but it is uh, something to keep an eye on going into camp for sure. And, and it, do you know how to hack into a Zoom call? The running back Zoom call? Can we? <laughs> did anybody hack into that to get some insight into what those guys were thinking? Maybe we'll get a little bit more idea. The running backs are feeling it, and they have no answers. No. They're, they're, look, it's what it is. You can blame whatever you want to blame. The fact is there's a lot of them. They've proven – that anybody can go in there and do fairly well, including late round draft picks, and you don't need to pay them. And so I understand their frustration. Like, you want to make more money, you feel like your position is more valuable, um, but the league doesn't view it that way. It's, you know, punters are not here complaining. It's, it's, you, you, you get paid whatever people think 
will help them win. Like that, the market dictates it through winning games, and that money that running backs are losing is going to receivers, is going to right tackles, is going to these other positions that people know are just far more valuable when it comes to winning. Do you have a passing game? Do you have an efficient passing game? Can you get explosives? Can you get after the passer? You know, can you rush up the middle and clog the pocket? Like these, these are ways you win. Putting somebody else in there at running back, having a young guy who doesn't have the wear and tear, it sucks. You are, but go talk, you know what they say all the time? Go talk to your union, okay? <laughs> Why weren't you negotiating this back? You should, this should have been something, a shorter rookie contract should have been part of something they were trying to do back when they were negotiating the CBA. They have nobody to blame but themselves, not just the running backs, all these players that complained about this type of stuff, but the running backs are the biggest victims of it. Should have been a, a higher priority, but it wasn't. They had other things no. they put as higher priority to go in that, those negotiations, and so here they are. That's To me, that's the crux of the issue right there, is I think they're going to have to really wait till the, the CBA ends, which is, I think, what, 2030? So, mm-hmm. you know, they can keep kind of lobbying for that. I do think back to when, like, Jimmy Graham was making an argument that he was more a receiver than a tight end to try to get to that tag. It'll be interesting if some guys start trying to, fancy themselves a receiver who happens to go back and play running back. Um, That could be kind of a shift you see. But in terms of right now, and I saw that Saquon Barkley, it took a little bit more money to make him happy for a one-year deal, but I think he's just kind of grabbing what he can right now. Um, It's, it's a weird situation. I think from like a fan standpoint, these are, these are your fantasy football first round picks and things. So it's hard to look at that and be like, well, why wouldn't you pay that guy all the money? But this isn't 1983, and you don't pay that guy all that money. So no, you wait for Tyler Algier and Isaiah Pacheco and yeah. any numbers. You know, it's Mike Shanahan's fault. It's <laughs> it's you know, it's Terrell Davis and Olandis. I blame Olandis Gary. Yeah. You know, I mean, Mike all, Anderson, all Mike those guys. Anderson, yeah. Who, who were kind of the very beginning of this, and it's it's part of what it is. But it, look, it's a it's a it's a passing efficiency league. Everybody knows that. Um, all right, I, I, the mix and restructure side of this conversation, though, I have a piece up from last week with a, a lot of reporting on sort of what happened there, what we learned through this off season. He ends up restructuring to what amounts to. Um, you know, a, a cap hit that goes down around eight from twelve point eight. Um, so he helps the team out there. Instead of ten million in cash, it's five point seven uh, this year, five point seven on the books next year. The bottom line, though, it's still an easy out next year. There's really very little hit. They can move on after this season fairly easily, and his number this year is much more digestible. And it was look. Joe, if you want to go be amongst those guys that we talked about earlier, feel free to go do so. Or we'll give you $5.8 million. I thought he came out a winner in this, Dave. Like, I, if, if, when you consider his situation, where you had a guy who just had, who's still in legal trouble, uh, you had a guy whose case is coming up, I think, August 14th, um, with the aggravated menacing issue that happened downtown on the day of the day flew to Buffalo. Um, you have the. He wasn't great on the field. You have everything was going on. Aging running back. All these other guys that have got just gotten straight cut. Um, and for him to be collecting five point eight million dollars in straight cash uh, this year, good for you in this economy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that's something. 
I, I think he's a winner there. I think it was shrewd on his part. I mean, I think you're right. When you look at all the guys out there looking for work and some damn good running backs, um, it's he took what he could get. He goes in as their RB1. You know, he's he's got these other issues to deal with, but it was in a weird way, just from like an X's and O's standpoint, kind of a win-win for both, I think, because now the Bengals aren't in the mess of trying to overpay some running back. So, um, you know, they can kind of reset and figure what it looks like next year, but he definitely came out the winner in it. Yeah. I mean, he benefits from Samaj P. Ryan choosing to go to Denver. That stole some leverage from the Bengals, and all of that plays in, you know? I mean... Um, to it, and and he ends up. I think he comes out of the winner. The, the one thing I, I thought a an old stereotype of the Bengals from long ago that was really not been the case forever was about it. They'll just take on these bad character guys and 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 guys with legal problems. And they don't care and they'll look the other way. I think they proved again that 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 still exists. That that's still a part. If it's inconvenient, they'll look the other way on some off the field stuff. Um, that's it stands out because it's just so not been the case, particularly under Zach Taylor, and really here for a long time. Um, to 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 have everything that happened, you know, you've got you know reports of you know he's there's a a gun on the day that you're flying to Buffalo, like I mean, all the stuff that's out there um, about it, it just didn't seem to really register hardly at all, and they just. We're willing to slough that off, and okay, um, I, I just I find that a little surprising when you consider who they've been, what they've leaned into most, particularly since Zach Taylor has come here. This was a little bit of a reminder that that's always going to be a little bit a part of this front office, I think. And and you saw that in the drafting of Joe Mixon initially when he was off most teams' draft boards, but despite what happened with him and the incident with Amelia Molitor at Oklahoma, he was drafted here. They were willing to look past it. Um, what I don't like about it is when that happened, there was very much a thought of no tolerance here. We understand what we're entering into. We're not going to have any tolerance. And he has been, by their accounts, uh, an, an outstanding employee and citizen, according to everything that they have said, that he's been a captain, they gave him an extension, all of that stuff happened. That's them. That's how they That's how they viewed it. Um, this was not no tolerance. This was tolerance over some stuff, okay? And that's to me where I think now this this coaching staff, most of these people were not even here when that happened. They they inherited this, but this front office was, and I think there's a little bit of going back on their word there, but I don't think they give a damn what I think about that. That's probably true. Uh, in fairness to the Bengals. I think every team has their instances of this where they look True. the other way on something. True. Um, I I kind of wonder how much of this is kind of this uh, Joe Burrow culture they've built. And there's some probably level of policing among themselves in terms of keeping guys out of trouble. And, and they just seem to have a collective good group of guys. But I think you're right. It's not like there was a statute of limitations on... Uh, how long you could say uh, zero tolerance and just because we're a few years removed from that doesn't mean suddenly it's cool to just start doing whatever you want so it is it is a little disappointing especially this is a team that's kind of you know we talked about all the contract stuff and we're not we're not looking at malcontents we're looking at other teams where guys are 
doing the always brave take your team's name off your Instagram account and mm-hmm. profile. Um, nobody's being petty like that. Nobody's kind of even even through the Jesse Bates stuff. You know, he, there was the posting from the the preseason game and that sort of stuff, but it was never anything major. They've really created a great culture with that. And you've written about it a number of times. This it's a little bit worrisome that that kind of goes against that building that great culture, but you know it is from a business standpoint maybe a good move for both sides and we'll see how it goes but uh because it, the it, other options inconvenient dave i mean because yeah. that's my point is it's if it would have made football sense a little bit more to move on i think they do it and i don't know that they even use that stuff i mean mike brown yesterday said we'll see what happens uh, uh, at this trial okay like our We'll see what happens. What's his court date? Yeah, there was a lot of like, I know what's going to happen. Okay, yeah, and and so be it. And, and maybe that's all unfounded or whatever. But the the point is, it's it's about the fact that the football they need this for the football. That's all, and that's okay. And I think plenty of people look. If if you told Bengals fans today, like a little bit of that happened in the off season, but you win and you win a Super Bowl or whatever, like everybody has that. Every like you said, every team that's won a Super Bowl, let's go down the roster. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just think this was a reminder that you know they're not immune to it. Um, so let's let's move past that. We Lord knows we've discussed Joe Mixon enough over the course of this offseason. Um, right tackle, that's going to be a battle. It, it's Jonas to lose. Still, all indications are that look. It's yes, Jackson Carmen is in the mix there. They're gonna, but look, they want Jonah to have it. Uh, they ex- they expect Jonah. Jonah's been really working hard to go out there and attack right tackle and and be great at it um and i think if he goes out there and he i think he the recognition for him was if i go out there i'm great at right tackle man my flexibility sells on the open market there was a i think they had i i I hate not crediting because i can't remember who had this but it was the percentage increase of each position of the top players you know top five or ten players um over the last 10 years the highest increase was right tackle wow it was up like 209 percent uh, more than any other position, wow. the recognition that left and right, no, like they yeah. come from everywhere and they will find you, uh, especially on the outside with these edge rushers that are just freaks. So um, it benefits Jonah if he can go out there and do this well. It would help him more than if he went out and played left tackle well. I'll tell you that right, right now. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of an antiquated thought. The left tackle blindside tackle for a right-handed quarterback. You're right. It's <laughs> those defenses are gonna get to your quarterback one way or the other, and the right tackles are becoming pretty much a premium. Um, discussed Lael Collins a little bit earlier. Again, we'll we'll see where that ends up with him. Whether they decide to, the question is is to go pup stash or save cash. I rhymed. I rhymed there. Did you like that? <laughs> That's impressive. Stash or cash? What are you gonna do with Lael Collins? Uh, because he I. I th- I don't think there's an expectation that he would be good to go by the beginning. So you'd be doing a PUP stash, um, and you'd also be saving money on his. I wrote about his has the highest three times more uh, per game roster bonuses than anybody else. So um, they could save a little bit of money that way if he was stashed and save him in case injuries happen. Or the thing is, if you do that, though, you are eating a decent amount of money. You'd be paying Jonah and Lyle Collins combined 22 on your cap. Is that something you have room for? That falls into – you know what that sounds like, Dave? Sounds like pie to me. A kaleidoscopic pie. <laughs> 
there's a lot there's a lot of kaleidoscopic pies involved again that's part of the business that's uh that's underway um elsewhere in offense backup qb wide open according to zach taylor and brian callahan jake browning trevor simeon are in a battle uh they're gonna split reps evenly uh it's it's May the best man win. Browning made a nice impression last year in camp. Simeon's one of the most tenured, you know, experienced backup quarterbacks in the league. So we'll see how that thing turns out. But they're going to give each guy a full chance to go out there and and uh, and see who ends up Burrow's backup and uh, the the person that no one wants to freaking see out there on the field. <laughs> Worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go win me some games, Jake Browning is not really the sentence that Bengals fans are hoping to hear at any point, but. You know, it's they, they got to get that thing settled. Um, elsewhere, safeties, you know, you got to get them, they got to get them out there in, in a little bit in games. I think you got to think that you're going to see some of Dax Hill and Nick Scott in the preseason. Luana Rumo suggested as much. He needs to get them just reps. They just need lots of reps together. He'd like to have lots of reps with Chidabe Wuze and Mike Hilton and Cam Taylor Britt and the two of them out there together working. Uh, to try to recoup as quickly as they can some of that Jesse Bates, Von Bell magic. So look, look for lots of work for them. I think the, you know, the joint practice with the Packers before their game that Wednesday before that first preseason game is going to be a big one. They're going to be really focused on on those guys being out there and seeing how they're doing. So hopefully, I'm sure all hope is that they're healthy for that because they're really going to want them out there. Are you seeing that as kind of the the biggest question going? And I know right tackle is obviously a big deal, but are you seeing the what happens with this? Because it feels to me like it could go either way. Obviously, they're not going to be Bates and Bell right out of the gate, but you got a lot of talent there. You got a first round pick, you know, from a, a year ago. So, um, and Jordan Battle, I don't know. That that could be a real steal in the draft if he's what he was at Alabama. But, yeah. Um, are you feeling like that's the biggest thing we need to be watching in this camp? That's what I'm going to be watching real close. Is just for those errors on the back end because they're so rare. When yeah. you had Jesse uh, and Vaughn back there, but last year preseason we were watching Dax Hill and he played really well yeah. um, in camp in the preseason games. That you didn't see those errors. He he was being lauded every day almost. Um, and, and so I, I look for more of the same. I I think at, when you talk about that position group, you're watching it. You're watching it closely to see how quickly they're gelling. But um, you know it's it's gonna it's still gonna take some time but yeah it's it's certainly one of the top things i think that you're watching when you're in 11 on 11s back there or whatever it is to to see how they handle some of the more complicated pass offs or recognition of things that are ha- that teams are trying to do to them or whatever and you know do that while you're trying to like cover Jamar Chase on a deep ball so good <laughs> luck on some of it it's it's not always easy is that a position that you see that would maybe consider bringing in a veteran, or do you think they're just going to roll with the young guys? No, I love. I think they love the room. I think they love the setup of the room for what it is now. I mean, yeah. I think they, they targeted Nick Scott um, specifically. They really like him. They spent a first-round pick on Dax Hill and have had him in the background. I think they feel like Battle was a steal. He's a great guy to have in the pipeline. Um they do love their captains, and he adds to that. He's all of that. Captains. I mean, and, and and I don't think he's going to play right away at all. I mean, I, Luana Rumo has a history. He was, yeah. had the story out. He had. There's been 107 rookies that have had at least 500 defensive snaps since Luana Rumo became a defensive coordinator, and he had one. And it was Cam Taylor Britt, and he, that was kind of forced on him a little bit yeah. last year um, just by the nature of the position. So 
and he said uh, he even specified yesterday that has not changed. I'm I'm the same. Like I haven't changed my philosophy on playing rookies. Like I don't like it. Okay, and so <laughs> I, I think battles in the back room. It's nice to have a guy like that in the back room. They love that pick. Mike Thomas is a super savvy veteran guy that can help lead the room. Um, you know, Tyson Anderson is a is a wild card last year's fifth round pick. So I think they really like the way it's constituted. But it's about those top guys gelling more than anything. Well, you you've said, and we we have our many athletic. Uh, we call them all 32s where we have something from each team. And, and you've been bullish on Dax Hill Love being him. kind of the breakout guy. I am. Um, what, what, is it, what, what is it about him that you're feeling like he's going to step in and be the guy? I, I just think people forgot how well he played last camp in preseason when he was safety. Yeah. He didn't get a chance to do that all last year. People were judging him off some special teams or playing outside corner or slot positions that are not his natural position. But when – when he was actually asked to do that last year in camp, he was great. And he had a yeah. whole year of understanding the system and the background and chomping at the bit. And he's so – he was frustrated by all the movement, all the things he had to learn last year. But it benefits him now. He's yeah. in a position where he's comfortable. He has as good of understanding as you can of defensive backfield because he's done it all. And really excited to go out there and prove himself. Motivated as all hell. And, yeah. and in a better place. And I think that is a big deal. I just I like I like everything about the spot that he's in, and they're gonna they're gonna need him. He's gonna have a chance to go play. I mean, he was a first round pick, and a really good one for a reason. Uh, so for that reason, I I, I am I, I I like him. Um, mentioned that about rookies. The other part of that is uh, Lou Anarumo kind of saying he's gonna be tinkering with a lot of different pass rush packages to see what he likes when it comes to what to do with Miles Murphy, what to do with Joseph Osai behind Hubbard and Hendrickson. I assume you're going to see a package with all four of them out there together at some point on third downs. Um, it, maybe there's a rotation of sorts, depending on how Murphy performs, uh, or Osai even. I mean, they, you got to like the construction of your edge room right now when you consider what those four guys are and to have that kind of depth where I think you've got Murphy, a first-round pick, Osai, who really looked like a guy on the come last year before what happened uh, at the end of the Kansas City game. And, you know, I, I just I just think that he's going to be tinkering. It's going to be Lou Dini, right? And we're going to see <laughs> Lou, Lou's, latest, Lou's latest move is going to kind of come from kind of trying to create some stuff with all these different types of players that he has up front and finding ways to use them. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what that ends up being. Another thing to watch if you're out there uh, sweating next to me at camp. <laughs> if you see me pass out, by the way, like – Please alert someone. Like, <laughs> I, I am, I am not someone who just like lays down. Okay, so if you see me laying down, <laughs> if you see a fall, if, if I look like I'm turning a weird color, um, please alert someone. Like I'm, there's a chance I'm not going to be well in 98 degree heat. All right. I thought about bringing an umbrella. How weak would I be if I had an umbrella like a, like a parasol? I don't know. It could be kind of your thing. Could I be the umbrella guy? Do you yeah, want to be the umbrella be, guy? I don't know. I mean, what are you now? You're not anything like the umbrella guy. You might as well be the umbrella just guy. Just the bald guy. You can't, the you can't die out there because I can't. I, I've now done this for one episode with you. I can't be the guy that's got to field all the yeah. the angst on social media. Because yeah, I'm sure be there's, there's already a lot of people that are already done with me. I'm not Jay. <laughs> but... You, you can't, you got, we got to keep you cool, even if that means you got the umbrella out there. What about a mister? Is is a mister weak? 
No. No, I think you could do the mystery. I have a hat. I was given a hat that has a little <laughs> fan in the bill. Yeah. That blows back in. Is that... Is that pretty cool or is that uncool? We I'm not gonna we're, say. We're too, look, we're guys that know a lot about things that are cool, Dave. Yeah, me and we you. are. We are definitely arbiters of cool. There's no. We've doubt made about many that. references from movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s in this podcast. Yeah, got a Seinfeld reference in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, that what's cooler than that? Nothing. Nothing's cooler than that. Uh, I have a story time. In that, uh, before we wrap up here, in that it's been really funny, like. Just because everybody's had these same questions about what's going on with the podcast, am I allowed to talk about? It? And and it's sort of like it's it's not like I had a family member die, like like Jay's great, he's doing great, like we're it's all everybody's all friends, it's fantastic, we're doing the same gags, it's like nothing's changed except when his stories show up, I don't link to them. Uh, <laughs> But it's so funny the way people have approached the concept of the podcast. People like want to talk to me like I'm like I'm in AA, like where they're like like um how's how's it going? Okay, is the podcast gonna continue? They don't know how to talk about it, you know. And it's like look, I we're just figuring it out, okay? We're just recalibrating how we want to approach it, strategizing. We don't need to talk about it like I have a problem and my family is currently staying in an apartment <laughs> to keep them away from me while I go through this. Okay, it's all good, man. Like, we're just working a problem. We got it. Uh, but I, I always enjoy it. So that I'm happiest about now. Like, maybe we can just speak a little more openly uh, now that the podcast is back um, and, and not be so nervous tiptoeing around this run this topic i'm doing fine i don't think i need to be in rehab yet maybe soon i don't like not having this outlet it does do weird things to me though dave when yeah. i don't have the podcast outlet i get a little i get a little itchy not, yeah you know like like tyrone biggums see now i'm into the 2000s <laughs> that's strong yeah i'm working my way back i mean we'll always accept Chappelle references that's oh, for sure there's no question there's no question. Uh, I'll just say to those that were worried, and if we ever come to some crossroads again, this is when when Paul came on board at The Athletic, we went through the same thing. We didn't know if we'd be able to get it off the ground. We went through a lot of hoops to get it done, and then he and Jay were up and doing it. So um, it's back, and it'll be back. And if we ever hit another speed bump, we'll figure a way to bring it back. So uh, the important thing is getting your voice on here. And uh, we'll we'll sort out a way to do this that'll keep everybody talking and let you have an outlet for it. I need it. I, I, I just, I, I, I need it. It's bad for my home life if I don't have this. You know, like, you, my wife's sitting here like, do you got to give me more takes on the running back room? Can we get you back on the podcast, please? You know? And so... Uh, she doesn't. She doesn't need it. I don't want to know more about Drew Sample's role. Can we talk about kindergarten? Well, you you just tell me you have a new Irv Smith Jr. and everything's yeah. fine. It's kaleidoscopic. Joe and Irv. That's yep. us. You're That's <laughs> us. Joe and Irv. <laughs> All right, Dave. This has been fun. It has, has been, been fun. Good. I think it went well. I think it went well. I hope we'll find like out. 
We'll find out. And again, we're going to have lots of different constructions. Mo will be Mo's on vacation. Otherwise, he'd be in this mix, of course, as well. We'll have him back and uh, plenty of other fun ideas. You know, we've got plenty of them uh, uh, that'll be making this really interesting, creative, and something that you will like. I hope. I think you will, though. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Now Back. Hear that podcast growling. Oh,